It was a very cruel scene, executed in an unusual manner. Hey, Cruel Coven. Hi, my little fluffy bunny butts. This is Cruel and Unusual, the podcast. I'm Tori. I'm Katie. And I'm so glad we fucking got through that intro. This is like take 87. Oh, God. I just can't do it today. I don't. I think I'm going, I think I'm loopy. We're both losing our minds. Truly. We're on a mandated shelter in place order here in I-L. I-L-L-I-N-O-I-S. Illinois. <laughs> Baby. Make sure you say the S at the end Illinois. of it. Um... We're not even going to get into the coronavirus. We talked about it last week. It's all anyone is talking about. But we do just want to say thank you so much to those of you who are out on the front lines, doing what you have to do, showing up every day, doing what you're doing, risking your health and your family's health just to be a fucking hero for our country right now. Yeah. And all the other countries. We actually have listeners in other countries, too. So thank the fuck out of you. You guys are fucking awesome. I would never be able to do it. And we are totally indebted to you forever. Forever and ever. Amen. Tori. Katie. I have a question for you. What is it? Do you like scary movies? Uh Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? So... (laughs) That's fucking terrifying, Katie. (laughs) It really, truly is. That voice is probably going to haunt me in my nightmares tonight. What movie has fucked you up the most? Okay, I I really think the movies that have fucked me up the most, and I'm not going to give like a clear cut title, are movies that have possession in them. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, a million percent. They freak me the fuck out. So like, The Omen, Poltergeist, Mm. um, Amityville Horror things like that yeah they fuck me up to no end because i really think that they can happen the ones that really get me are like the strangers yes home invasion Uh uh-huh freaks me out because not only can it happen it does happen Mm -hmm. every Mm -hmm. damn day yeah so yeah strangers fucked me up for a while yeah because it's so it's such a slow burn and those masks that Uh they wear oh creepy as fuck when i was doing my research today (laughs) yeah today for the podcast (laughs) um there was one of the like the websites that i stumbled on had a girl or a guy i don't know in a really creepy doll mask and it freaked me the fuck out literally all i've done all day is i've been on like creepy pasta and a bunch of different sites and just like freaky freaking myself out really yeah because then i hear like knocks and i hear like (laughs) scratches it's my cat Mm -hmm. you know but i also watched blair witch when i was home alone when i was like 10 yeah that one it gets such like a bad um like people make fun of it so much but i was little and it freaked me out you don't even see anything like scary because it's but i thought it was real it's kind of like the strangers too it's like this really slow burn Mm -hmm. and you don't really know who the enemy is right you know what i mean yeah yeah that freaks me out too and i remember we used to rent it from the market all the time yeah or like the safe room movies where you're Mm -hmm. they're hiding like in uh, in their house because i i don't like that because it happens well luckily i don't have a safe room do you no nope no that will never happen to us no we'll just get killed right away okay whatever put me out of my misery (laughs) fucking make it quick (laughs) all right so so what are we going to talk about today we're talking did you call me cakes cadence cadence (laughs) (laughs) today we're talking about cursed horror movies cursed horror Horror movies this one i am going to admit something to you right now I was not excited about this topic. I kind of, I, I mean, eh, whatever. I love. But once I started researching, yeah. 
I'm yeah, like, I love, I love, I love, I love horror movies. I love scary movies of all fucking kinds. If you name a scary movie, I have fucking seen it. Mm-hmm. But I just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why I wasn't excited. But then once I started doing my research this morning, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. This is fucking interesting. Yeah, it's not some of the things that are connected to these movies. Mm-hmm. Well, you are going first. so I am? Ta- yeah. I went first last week, you Fine. dingus. I'm going to be talking about The Conjuring Curse. Have you ever seen that movie? Yes. Okay. Isn't like it Vera it? Farmiga? Yeah. That place? Yes. Yeah. I love her. I can never say her name. Vera Farmiga. The Conjuring started its development phase in January of 2012. If you don't know anything about this movie, it revolves around a family who enlists in the help of Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are paranormal investigators. Vera Farmiga has been the most outspoken about the strange happenings during filming. Just so you know, she plays Lorraine Warren in the 2013 film. So in real life, Vera opened up her computer to read the script. She had been reading it earlier and she went on to continue with it. When she opened it up, she saw something on the screen that made her question everything. (gasps) (laughs) I want to know. No, it was, I want to (laughs) know. There were five claw marks across the screen. Farmiga said, quote, I don't know how to explain it. I do know that I hadn't dropped the computer. My children didn't step on it. So I closed it, put it away, and my brain went berserk. End quote. Isn't that spooky? Yeah. She also later showed off claw marks on her thigh after filming had ended. Yeah. That is way... Okay, the laptop is bad enough, but then on your fucking thigh. Yeah, when it's on your body. Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. She had like an actual picture of it that she was showing people. When the Hayes brothers, who were the screenwriters for the movie, worked with Lorraine Warren, like the real Lorraine Warren, Mm -hmm. on the script, their conversations tended to get cut off by static over the phone, and sometimes even strange sounds. After a few moments of this happening each time, the line would cut and go dead every single time. Yeah. James Wan, the director of the film, said he was working on the script late at night, and he had just gotten a new puppy. The puppy started staring into an empty corner following something with his eyes across the room and crawling viciously at nothing. A mosquito. Nothing that could be seen, anyways. <laughs> at one point during filming, the actual family that this happened to visited the filming set in North Carolina. When they stepped onto set, a strange, strong wind whipped through the entire set. The odd thing? The trees on the set didn't move at all. What? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. The mom of the family would feel odd or dark feelings similar to the time the incidents were being played out on the film. She tripped, suffered injuries, and had to be hospitalized. Jeez. Isn't that fucking, like, it, there's just too many fucking coincidence. And this is a quote from James Wan. Quote, On my other films, such as Saw and Insidious, it was comforting to tell myself those things weren't real. I just made them up. But for The Conjuring, I didn't have that luxury. End yeah. quote. Spooky. Ooh. That's all that I have about the conjuring. Yeah. That is some weird The claw shit. marks. I think the claw marks because of the whole possession thing. Yeah. That freaks me out. Yeah. That's something more like um tangible. Sinister. Yeah. That you can see and feel and Right. And it's literally yeah. a mark and on other your people body. can see. Uh-huh. Up next is Rosemary's Baby. Ooh. Have you ever seen it? No. Really? I know nothing about it. Okay, I've got I've got it on DVD. DVD. <laughs> I've got the DVD of Rosemary's Baby. The movie Rosemary's Baby was based off a book of the same name written by Ira Levin. He came up with the idea for the novel by looking no further than his pregnant wife in their New York apartment. Okay. So I guess he was just watching her 
in that, their like gothic apartment because if you've seen the movie they kind of live in this like gothic Manhattan apartment me. building yeah he took their new parent anxiety and meshed those feelings with a soon-to-come moment in time June 1966 or 666 which we all know is the number of the beast did you say 66 or 76 66 okay so June the sixth month of 1966 this took advantage of a sort of stray from religion that was already kind of evolving in San Francisco the church of Satan was about to be a thing which is not anything what you think it is which is a whole nother podcast episode (laughs) all right it has nothing to do with Satan. Um, I kind of figured <laughs> there was some context clues. <laughs> Time Magazine's cover for April of 1966 was the iconic... Have you ever seen this? The iconic solid black background with the big red bold letters that says, Is God Dead? I don't think I've ever seen that. I no. googled it. Well, I'll put it on the Instagram. Okay. But it's just black background, big red words saying, and, Is God Dead? And what is the magazine? Time. Oh. Mm-hmm. No, I've never seen it. So if you're not familiar with the Rosemary's Baby storyline, it's basically, it's going to have some spoilers in case you haven't seen it. Um, Rosemary and her husband Guy, who's an actor, move into this beautiful gothic apartment building in Manhattan. Weird, unpleasant things start happening, and Guy kind of gets strange. Um, Rosemary gets pregnant. There's some like witchy occult stuff going on. Things get stranger and stranger. Rosemary becomes isolated and she's in a lot of pain. And when she finally gives birth, it's to a cloven foot baby. So basically, Guy mated her with Satan in exchange for a Broadway hit. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shut up. Okay, hang Isn't on. I have fucked a up? couple of questions. <laughs> Who was the writer of this? The uh, Ira Levin wrote the book. Ira Levin. Was he? Okay, so this was based off of his wife. It didn't really happen. No, no but like... He just got the he, idea like from watching her because she was very pregnant too. Gotcha. And like this whole stuff with, with religion that was happening in the country, he got kind it, of okay. like wanted to ask the question, if God's dead, what if Satan were got it, reborn? Okay. Levin released his book with huge success and the next year the film, directed by Roman Polanski, was made, which was also highly praised. Soon after that, the curse began. Dun, dun, dun. Look at what I wrote in my notes. Dun, dun, dun. You'd put dun, dun, diddly, dun. (laughs) Oh, I didn't put diddly. (laughs) Shit. Dun, dun. How could you read that? Diddly, (laughs) dun. It's not even scary. (laughs) Do you think I know anything? Diddly. Diddly is the cute. Dun, dun, diddly, dun. Dun, dun, diddly, dun. The curse started with Kirstoff Komida. Komida. I don't know how to say it. Okay. It's okay. Who did the original score for the film. There aren't a lot of details about his death, but Roman Polanski said, In the fall of 1968, 37-year-old Komida was goofing around at a party when he fell down a rocky incline and ended up in a four-month coma. So this is the guy that did the music. Okay. Um, this is the same method the witches in Levin's book killed Rosemary's suspicious friend. God. So he was in a coma, and he died the following year. So he was only in a coma for four months, but he, oh, this maybe it was like Roman at the end Polanski of the year. Said, so. it might, <laughs> you know, you really can't trust Roman Polanski. I know, man. Okay, but maybe he was like at in the fall. Yeah, got into but the coma. It, it led to his death. Gotcha. Okay. Eventually, so that's fucked up. Yeah, the film's producer William Castle was having a really shitty time. He was distressed over the hate mail he was receiving about the movie. Aww. Um, in April of 1969, stress. Kind of indirectly caused him to be stricken with kidney stones. 
What? Mm-hmm. While he was in and out of the hospital, he reportedly hallucinated scenes from the film, and he said to have screamed, quote, Rosemary, for God's sake, drop the knife, end quote. Hmm. He barely recovered and never made another hit film. Hmm. Um, and then there's Roman Polanski, the director, in case you forgot. And what happened to his wife and unborn baby, kind of a lot, most people know about this. If you're into true crime at all, you you know, but I'm not going to go into like a ton, a ton of detail because this could be a whole nother episode too. Um, but in case you don't know, Polanski and Sharon Tate had moved to California and into a house together on Cielo Drive. Oh. Is this sounding familiar? Yeah. Yeah. Ring a ding ding. <laughs> Sharon was an actress. And she, I didn't know this, she tried hard for the role of Rosemary. Really? And Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, I didn't know. Um, but ultimately, the role went to Mia Farrow, who was stunning as fuck with her pixie cut. Mm-hmm. She looks so good on her. Anyway. I could never pull off a pixie cut because no. I have a fat face. God. I mean, I'm not agreeing with you about you. I'm agreeing <laughs> with fine. me about me. <laughs> okay. Polanski was working in London. And Sharon, who was eight months pregnant, was with him, but she had come home to their house in California before him. So he wasn't home. He was still over there across the pond. Um, On the night of August 8th, 1969, Sharon went to dinner with friends Jay Sebring, Wojciech Frykowski, and Abigail Folger. The four of them returned to the house at around 10.30 p.m. and were all murdered by members of the Manson family shortly after midnight. 18-year-old Stephen Parent was the first victim. He was visiting the property's caretaker that night, and he was found shot four times in the front seat of his car at the entrance to the property. Sharon and Jay Sebring were found stabbed to death in the living room with a long rope connecting them that was tied around each of their necks and slung over a rafter. I've seen these pictures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Sharon's unborn baby, a boy, died inside of her. The bodies of Frykowski and Abigail Folger were found on the lawn, also stabbed to death, and Frykowski was also shot twice. Roman Polanski went on to write about a thought he had the last time he saw Sharon Tate, which I never heard this either. I don't know it's this. It's creepy. So the last time he... He wrote about this in his autobiography. And the last time he saw her, he remembers thinking, quote, you will never see her again, end quote. Wow. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate that, number one. Yeah. Number two, I would not have let her out of my sight, especially with my unborn child inside of yeah. her. Yeah, I know. Ooh, I fucking hate mm-hmm. that. Some people say that Roman Polanski made his pregnant wife into a blood sacrifice, just like the husband in, Ro- in Rosemary's Baby did, to gain success in Hollywood, which I think is bullshit. I fucking I hope that's bullshit. I think it's fucking bullshit. Charlie Manson's fault, you fucking yeah. cocksucking piece of shit. You cocksucking motherfucking asshole. God, I hate him. waste of semen. I hope you die. Hey! I hate him with a burning passion. That is a fire inside my soul. Yes. So, I mean, I could see the similarities, but no. No, no, no. I think that, especially if that didn't happen, if that wasn't, which I'm leaning Mm -hmm. towards it wasn't, how fucked up that he had to, like, read that, see that, and live that. Mm -hmm. Fucked up. So, the Beatles' White Album, we even got the Beatles involved here. Wow. It was mostly written at an Indian meditation, which Mia Farrow also Mm -hmm. attended, the star of Rosemary's Baby. And it includes the song Helter Skelter. This phrase was also written in blood at the scene of these murders. Wow. I mean, it was spelled wrong, but it was there. In 1980, John Lennon was assassinated right across the street from the Dakota, where the movie was filmed weird right it's so fucking weird how so many things intertwine are connected yeah 
So then we come back to the man who wrote the story and started it all, Ira Levin. God damn it, Ira mm-hmm. Levin, you fuck. <laughs> he didn't exactly escape the curse either. His marriage failed. Oh. Catholics were fucking pissed at him for oh, all I this bet. Satan shit. Yeah. Um, and they condemned him for years. He really began to resent the fact that he wrote the book in the first place. Yeah. Um, his other works kind of tapered off in terms of success. Kind of just, you know waned in popularity super creative though Mm -hmm. like a very creative mind and he was just kind of burdened for the rest of his life with all of this and everything that surrounded his masterpiece imagine if people still acted like that to writers they do who i don't i never really see like i mean i don't see it box office hits get like like ruin someone's life no yeah maybe not ruin someone's life but that's crazy yeah. yeah Wow. Okay. Isn't That's that, crazy. Yeah. I think it's really weird how they're all intertwined like that. Yeah. So I mean, many. Got the John Lennon. Manson family. Yeah. The full, um, the full band, the Beatles, mm-hmm. the Manson family, and then Sharon Tate and Rosemary's Baby yep. and all those people. Yep. And crazy. Mia Farrow was there when the Beatles album was written. And she started. It's just yeah. crazy. It's weird. I don't like it. Yeah. Nope. Next, I am going to be talking about The Omen. You've seen The Omen, I'm sure. I've not seen the original one. I saw the one with... um. Oh, what's her name? She's from Say the Last Dance. Yeah, Julia Stiles. Yes, I remember seeing that one, but I've never seen the original. Hmm. Okay. So, kind of similar to Rosemary's Baby, The Omen was first released on June 6th, 1976. So it wasn't quite a full 66666. Yeah, but still, (laughs) there's a lot of sixes involved. Okay. What are just some of the creepy things that happened and caused people to say that there was a curse placed on the cast? Well, I'm about to fucking tell you. (laughs) Okay, great. Oh my God. I'm like on, I'm next fucking level. Okay. (laughs) Rottweiler attacks, terrorist bombings, a plane struck by lightning, deadly car crashes, and death by tiger. Oh my God. All of these things and more happened to the Omen cast in real life. Are you going to tell me all about them? I'm going to tell you all about them. Okay. John Richardson was the Omen's special effects consultant. He created the death scenes in the Omen, which are still recognized as some of the most iconic death scenes in film to date. So just a few months prior to the release of the movie, John Richardson was working on the film A Bridge Too Far. On June 13, 1976, a Sunday and just past midnight, he and his assistant Liz Moore were involved in a deadly car crash. (gasps) Yeah. Liz Moore was cut in half oh god yeah by the wheel from the other vehicle which mirrored the on-screen death of the photographer in the omen for those of you who don't know the photographer in the actual movie died by way of a plate separating his head from his body Mm. yeah wow that's weird yeah so this is terrible and tragic and horrifying but it gets much weirder spookier if you will spooky spooky you say did you say spooky Richardson woke up totally out of it, hazy from the crash, more than likely had a concussion, obviously. He opened his eyes, and the very first thing that he saw was a kilometer marker reading O-M-M-E-N 666. How? Yeah. What the fuck? I know. The closest town to this accident was, I don't know if you say Omen or Amen, I'm assuming Amen, because there's two M's, but I don't know. And that's in the Netherlands. And the accident happened at kilometer 666. Yeah, what are the fucking chances of that? Fucking hell. They were ran off the road by the fucking devil Devil himself. himself. Mm -hmm. Jinx. You owe me a Coke. You owe me a wine. (laughs) Please. Okay. 
The omen was conceived by Robert Munger, a man who had no prior education or background in the film industry, but one day just had the random idea that he wanted to make a movie depicting the Antichrist as a young boy. Hmm. Just a weird, like, little whim. Okay, Robert. Yeah. Okay, Mr. Munger. You kill animals, too? Prior to filming even started for the omen, weird occurrences started happening. The producers of the movie were Harvey Bernard and Mace Newfield, but it was Munger, the man with the original plan, who first saw red flags. Munger was raised as a devout Christian. He called a meeting with producer Harvey Bernard and gave him the following warning, quote, the devil's greatest single weapon is to be invisible, and you're going to take off his cloak of invisibility to millions of people, oh, boy. end quote. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, Mr. Munger. Okay, Munger. I'm glad that's what you think. All right, then. Okay. <laughs> Production carried on anyway, shrugging off Munger's devilish warning. Here's the deal, Munger. You're the one who fucking wrote it, and now you're telling them not to proceed. Yeah. Oh, guys, I take it back. I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my ankle. Gregory Peck signed on to play the adoptive father of the young devil. Not long after Peck agreed to star in the film, his son shot himself in the head. I didn't know this. Leaving no note, no explanation. Jeez. Yeah. Peck was shocked, saddened, and distraught, but he had already signed to do the movie, so he moved forward. Can you imagine? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, he flied to the set in England in October of 75. There were storms throughout the entire flight and turbulence the entire time. That's terrifying. Yeah. Turbulence fucking freaks me out. Mm. The flight was struck by lightning <laughs> while crossing over the Atlantic. It was said that the plane's engine caught on fire and the plane was close to crashing into the sea. No. Yeah. I hate that. It didn't. Okay. Not long after Peck's airplane trouble and his nearly escaped death, producer Mace Newfield was crossing the Atlantic. His plane was also struck by lightning. No. <sighs> yeah weird as fuck so something was trying to get them not to film sooner or later the devil well he was a little bit upset that they were removing his invisibility cloak like harry potter yes god so there's two odd plane stories but how about one more okay are you in for it i guess you ready sure <laughs> one of the very first shots planned for production was set to be an aerial shot of london taken from a rented plane at the very last minute, the plane rental company switched aircrafts and gave the original plane that was designated for the movie to a group of Japanese businessmen. The curse, or what some believe as the curse, slammed the plane to the ground instantly, what? killing them all. <gasps> How yeah. many people? I don't know. Oh. I didn't say. But still. Yeah. It was said no one gave the Antichrist a heads up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so the, no. the plan was switched, so he killed the wrong people. Oh, God. Mm hmm there was a scene in the movie where Gregory Peck is attacked by Rottweilers. They had hired impeccably trained dogs for the scene. They were supposed to attack a stuntman who was heavily padded to protect him from the dog's vicious bites. Well, the dogs nearly killed the stuntman, mm. biting through his protection and disregarded their trainer when ordered to stop, despite how well trained they were. You never fucking know. The stuntman ended up surviving, but another animal attack was in store. I hate that. Yeah, a London animal expert named Sidney Bamford was working for production as a cat wrangler. The omen was supposed to have a scene where tigers attacked Damien. Sidney Bramford neglected to secure one of the tigers, and the beast went full beast mode and viciously mauled Bramford to death. Ugh. Back to producer Mace Newfield. He was staying at the Hilton in London, but one day, it blew up. <laughs> oh. Just ran, 
just randomly blew up. Um, he escaped death only because he was not inside at the time. And then, let's cut to a few days later, the producers of the film and other executives were going to a restaurant in London, and while they were on their way, only minutes from arriving, the restaurant blew up. What? Yeah. Something, I read something about somebody was doing a lot of, like, strikes at that time. Clearly. So, but still, I <laughs> yeah. mean, two places that he was staying right. at. No, I know. Um, and yeah, those were just some of the reported strange occurrences on set during the 1976 film. Fucking nuts. That, that one, one was like wild. <laughs> that one really was. That's why I did that one last. Yeah. Or that's why I did the other one before. Jeez. <laughs> All right. So my last one is The Exorcist. I See, know this is a movie that this. freaks me out. And yes, I've seen it. Okay, so as most people know, the original Exorcist movie is about a 12-year-old girl named Reagan McNeil, played by Linda Blair, who begins to act strangely. She undergoes various neurological tests, which find nothing, and her situation escalates into a crisis. She has to be tied to her bed, starts cussing everyone out, speaking in tongues, projectile vomits green shit all over, and turns basically into something otherworldly. Catholic priest Father Marin is called in, along with a psychiatrist, to perform an exorcism, and they come face-to-face with the demon Pazuzu. <laughs> I couldn't remember the name. What the fuck kind of demon name is that? They all have stupid names come like on. that. I wonder why. All they the must demons not I've ever met have <laughs> stupid names like that. Sorry. The film was one of the most profitable horror movies ever made, and is based off the novel by the same name written by William Peter Blatty. The novel and subsequent film were based off a true, or so they say, story of the exorcism of a young boy known as Ronald Doe. Not his real name. Georgetown University Hospital Catholic Priest did the exorcism on this boy, and his family requested Blatty to write the character as a girl to help protect as a girl to help protect his identity. The boy known as Roland Doe went on to have no memory of the incident lived a pretty regular life and even ended up retiring from nasa which that's not a curse clearly but no I but that's it was pretty cool. that is a cool little yeah. tidbit like fuck yeah so first we have part of the movie set catching on fire which delayed filming the set that caught fire was supposed to be the mcneil's house william friedkin the director claimed he saw a winged creature with talons climb into a circuit box which caused the fire reagan's room remained unharmed of course it did I'm not gonna harm your room. <laughs> not Reagan's room. Everything Reagan. but Reagan. Reagan. <laughs> the Exorcist also has several deaths associated with it. Okay, this one's a mouthful. Okay. Vasiliki Maliaros who played Father Karras's mother, and Jack McGowran, who played Burke Dennings, Reagan's first victim, both died post-production. God, like close to? Well, before it was released, but after they filmed. Wow. Yeah. What's weird, though, is that both of their characters died in the movie as well. Mm-hmm. So that is wow. weird. Linda Blair's grandpa died while filming. Max Von Cito his brother died on Max's first day of filming. Oh, wow. Jason Miller almost died when he was hit by a motorcycle. Coincidence or curse? 
Ellen Burstyn, who played Reagan's mom, Chris, was permanently injured during filming. When Reagan is full-on possessed, she throws her mother to the floor, where she lands on her back, and Ellen lets out a horrifying scream at the impact. This was actually her getting hurt for real. Wow. So it was a real scream. I want to watch that scene. They use the take in the film, and her back still bothers her. Linda Blair, Reagan, was also hurt when the bed had mechanical issues and she was thrown from it. She also got so many death threats after the movie came out that she needed a bodyguard escort for six months. Wow. She was 14. Wow. That's fucked up. Yeah. Leave her the fuck alone. Mercedes McCambridge, who did the voice of the demon Pazuzu. Ooh. You know the voice. Yeah. She had a real shitbag son. His name was John Markle, and he worked for an investment trading company where he quickly climbed the ladder to success. But in 1987, the company found out that he'd opened a secret account in his mother's name, in Mercedes' name. He forged her signature and did all sorts of like wild illegal shit with this account. Um, He was fired from the company when they found out. Mercedes refused to cover for him. Good. I know. Later that same year... John Markle murdered his wife, Christine, and their daughters, Amy, who was 13, and Suzanne, who was 9. Shut the fuck up. I hate him. Mm -hmm. He then took his own life and left behind a letter confessing to everything and, like, a really awful letter to Mercedes. What a fucking coward. what the fuck, John? Coward piece of shit. A lot of Johns I know are pieces of shit. (laughs) Same. A lot of people thought the actual film was cursed, as in the film reels, Mm -hmm. like, the actual like the physical yes the physical people thought playing it through a projector was going to invite demons in all willy-nilly and they would possess moviegoers and theater workers the movie was completely banned in every middle eastern country except lebanon at the premiere in rome lightning was striking all over hell and many inside the theater said they heard demonic growling and howling (laughs) why did i put growling and howling growling and howling okay One woman was so scared, she fainted and broke her jaw when she hit the ground. She ended up filing a lawsuit against Warner Brothers, saying that subliminal messages in the movie caused her to have this freak out. And they ended up settling outside of court for an undisclosed amount of money. Of course. I want to know. I know. So maybe the creepiest thing about the exorcist curse is that there was a real-life serial killer in the movie. (gasps) Yes, but yes. I don't know anything about it. Um, Paul Bateson, he was a real x-ray tech. Mm-hmm. And and the director kind of found him saying he kind of thought that it would be more realistic to have a real x-ray tech. So he mm-hmm. kind of fa- found Paul Bateson and asked him to be in the movie. He didn't kill anybody till after the movie came out, but he's in there. He's one of the people doing procedures on Reagan. He ended up killing film critic Addison Verrill. Oh, wow. According to his testimony, Bateson picked up Verrill... At a bar in Greenwich Village, he then crushed Veril's skull with a skillet and stabbed him numerous times. Fucking yeah! He never gave a motive for why he did it. Veril's murder could have just been the tip of the iceberg because I'm not going to get too much into it because this, like I said, a whole other episode, but he was a serial killer. Wow. It's nuts. So there you go. Do you feel like you got a Pazuzu in you? I hope fucking not. Pazuzu all up in you. Pazuzu sounds like Panini. So, Katie, reading, watching, listening. Okay, here we go. I watched the new Paul Holes DNA of Murder last uh-huh. night. It was really good. It's like a two-parter, so I'm really excited to see the next one because I think he's going to solve it. Yeah. I think he's got this shit on lock. I, bet it, I mean, it's Paul Holes. He's, of it's course Paul he Holes. Does. Yeah. 
Um, not really reading anything because I can't concentrate on anything. <laughs> what are you listening to? Uh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I did watch, hold on, I'm not done. I watched Contagion because when I have anxiety, I like to just rub a little dirt in it mm-hmm. and make it worse. Mm-hmm. So self, little self-sabotage. Pour a little salt in the wound. A little honey. bit. What about you? What are you reading, watching, listening to? <laughs> I hate you. So I watched the movie Freaks on Netflix. I kind of recommend. What's it about? If you're bored and you have nothing else to do, you can watch Freaks. It's about this little girl. Oh, you know who's in it? Who? Emile Hirsch. Oh. We we were fucking in love with him. We saw Lords of Dogtown. Oh my God. Multiple times and then we bought Uh, it. And by we, I probably mean me. uh, Anyway. Um, it's about this little girl and her dad acts really weird and he bleeds from the eyes and she can't go outside and he has like tape on the windows and then this little girl gets some ice cream. Is she okay? And she's in her room and she is like willing her to bring her the ice cream cone and she does. And then it's just kind of like fucking freakish. Like Matilda? Kind of, sort of. Matilda vibes? Mm Kind of, sort of. Um, and then I also watched Invisible Man, the new one. Yeah. How was that? highly recommend really highly recommend woman fucking power into it if you ever do watch it the fucking restaurant scene Mm. i just would love to talk about it so you need to like watch it someday okay maybe i will (sighs) um what am i reading i can't get into any books now no so i finished um one by candy steiner and i finished a fighting chance by cat savage Mm mm-hmm highly fucking recommend i love their i I just love it fucking love it and i'll leave everything linked down below because cat was going to release that book but then with everything going on in the world right now she just didn't really feel like it was the best time to release a book um we just have so much shit going on with this covid19 garbage yeah so i'm not really reading anything else i've downloaded like seven other books on my kindle and i cannot Mm -hmm. get into any of them i know me either um, it's not that I can't get oh, into them. I just can't. Wait. My mind can't focus. But we both read um, Jen Rogue's or Jay Rogue's new book. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah. Her new poetry. Re- it was a really awesome switch from my poetry mm-hmm. <laughs> because my last book was so down. Yeah. Hers was know? uplifting. And yeah. So these poems that she just released and we'll link it down below. Um, super uplifting and just mm-hmm. like kind of gives you what's the word? Hope. Yeah. Maybe. And I don't know, they were just really beautiful. And I read it in a day, obviously. And obviously. I, I really read it probably like in an hour. Yeah. It was just really, really good. And I did not want to stop reading it. You know what I am reading? It's not really like, <sighs> a book. What are you reading? So Cassie Sharp, the author of Dark Dead Stars, which uh-huh. I hope you all read. Be like, I fucking told you to. <laughs> you fucking um, better yeah, have read it. Read the fucking book. This is a fucking God. Um, she's kind of doing like almost, it's almost kind of like a prequel Mm -hmm. in the form of a blog. Yeah. Because the main character was a blogger. So she's sending out emails. So you can go sign up. We'll put links to that too. It's so fucking creative. I love it. And I wish I had her brain. I love it. Because I wish I could have thought of that to do that. It's the perfect like short snippet that I can focus on right now. So just, you know. It takes like, it's like a five minute email if that. And it's so like the format of it. I'm I'm obsessed. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. I look forward to it. So hats off to you, motherfucking Cassie Sharp. Motherfucking we love Cassie ya. Sharp. Love ya, bitch. We are losing our minds. A lot of this will have to be cut out. I don't. I might not. <laughs> I fucking I just hate might you. not. 
So if you want to email us, you can do that at cruelandunusualthepod at gmail.com. Our Instagram's the same thing. Take out the gmail.com and the at and put the at in front. Our Facebook group is Cruel and Unusual the Group. So come hang out with us in there. Tori Twitter. Our Twitter is at Cruel Unusual Pod. Tweet us. At Cruel Unusual Pod. Meet us. <laughs> no, and no. feed us. <laughs> oh, I don't want you. I want you to tweet me. I don't want you to meet me, but I certainly want you to feed me. I like meatloaf. <laughs> and oh, I smell like grass. Boy. We have links to our merch and our Patreon in our link tree all over the place. So. Yeah. Once this stuff settles down and you can be a Patreon and everything goes back to normal, you totally yeah. should because it's fun. We it's like fun. being there. If you want to see our sources, pictures from the episode, anything about our books or whatever, you can go to cruelinkmedia.com. Dot com. Okay. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.